morning, everybody. Thank you, Haley. That was a little special to be able to do that with my wife for the first time. That was fun. Well, I'm really excited to, to share what, what God has put on my heart. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Logan. I'm the youth and kids pastor around here at One Chapel Lake, Travis. I've been here for about seven months, so it's, it's been a wonderful joy to get to know as many of you as possible, and I can't wait to continue to get to know all of you, and uh, I'm just really excited to be able to share with you this morning and, and, and to share with, with what God is doing in our church. And, you know, when Russ first asked me to, to speak today, I was a little nervous because, quite frankly, the series that we just got out of was pretty good, right? <laughs> it was pretty good. So it's like, all right, here you go. You get the in-between. You got to carry the energy over. And I'm like, oh, boy, all right, here we go. But but God is good, and, and he provides, so I'm excited for what, what he's going to share this morning. So before we start, I just want to pray and, and invite him in here to talk. So God, we thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that, that, that it is, we don't have to depend on ourselves, God, but you provide for us. So Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit comes, it opens people's hearts, it opens our eyes, and it opens our ears to hear what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we just got out of this series and, and the topic, kind of the theme of this series is, is contending for the shift that you want to see in your life. So the shift that you want to see in your heart. You know, it was our New Year's resolution series. You know, you always have these New Year resolutions. You're like, 2018 is going to be better than 2017. And then you get to February, and 2018 is the same as 2017, right? We don't, we don't want that to happen. We, we wanted to work and and. and fight some of these battles that maybe we have lost in the past. We want to fight them with victory, right, and fight them with success. So that was the series that we just came out of, uh, and I think it ties in pretty well with what we'll be talking about this morning. But I really want to recommend, if you missed any of those series, go back and watch them. All right, you can see them, you can listen to them on onechapel.com, or, or even we were talking this week, you know, three and four, mess, that third and fourth message of that series was powerful. Go back and listen to the first and second one, because this series, I really think, is life transforming, and it's, it is life-giving and life-breathing. So before I start, I just want to throw that out there. But as I thought, as I was thinking about what to talk about, following that and following all of these, these crazy things that have been going on in our church and that, in the way that God has been moving, you know, I was, I was where do I start? Where do, where do I start? What do I even, what could I say to build on that? And it, it seems like God, a lot of times in my life, I try and take the complex route, and, and he's, he's on a very simple route, and if I would just see where he's going, I, you know, it'd be really easy. So, so he just slowly reminded me, he's like, remember how I called you into ministry? Remember the, the first time that, that, that I, I asked you to, to come and follow me in the, in the first time? And, and, and that's, the, that's what I want to share with you guys this morning. So with that said, when I was 16 or 17, through a series of events and through mission trips and things like that, uh, God, God started to grab hold of my heart that, that ministry and, and more specifically missions was something, was something that he had planned for me. And, you know, I, I, I made this plan that I would go off to school for a secular thing. And hopefully, you know, I was going to graduate college and then I was going to take that and I was going to go and use that in the mission field. That was my wonderful plan in, in Logan's thinking. And, and uh, about two years later, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm like, oh man, I'm falling off the tracks a few times and changed my major, major a few times and, and 
You know, I wasn't really focusing on, on what God's plan was because I, I kept wanting to do it, do it through my way. And, and finally, I was like, okay, God, I give up. I am going to go on a crazy mission trip, and I'm just going to see what you have for me, and I'm going to figure this out. So I contacted uh, one of my missionary friends in, uh, in Haiti, and we started talking, and me and my roommate were like, okay, let's go to Haiti. So my missionary friend said he has work for us for 10 days and a place for us to stay for 10 days. So in our 21-year-old thinking, we booked plane tickets for six weeks to Haiti, and um, my mom was so terrified of that thought, uh, but, but we went, and it was, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life, because God provided in, in unbelievable ways. Not only did he provide for us a place to stay, but we brought only a backpack with two pairs of clothing, because we thought we were going to be staying in like a little shack or sleeping on the ground and things like that, and he provided wonderful housing for us and wonderful food. We, and we never got too sick. Um, I got a mosquito illness called chikungunya. Just if you ever want to Google a, a, a weird mosquito I- I illness, that's one thing. But, but it was a wonderful trip. And, and everything that I ever wanted to do with missions happened on that trip. Everything that, the only, all the reasons that God called me into ministry, all the things that I wanted to see happen through ministry happened on that trip. And, and the whole time I was thinking, man, this is amazing. This is, this is the place for me. This is where God has me. And uh, it was the Wednesday, the day before we were leaving on that trip, after six weeks in Haiti. I had the opportunity to do something, and it was, it was a blessing to, to go, and, and I, I got to share a word with the missionaries that were there. And, and uh, my friend comes up to me afterwards, and he, he comes up to me, and he says, for whatever reason, I feel like God is telling you to be a pastor. And here I am. I always said, I will never be a pastor. I will never be a pastor in America because, because, you know, you go to these third world countries and you go on these mission trips and, and this, this passion and enthusiasm that people have for the word, right? Like in Haiti, if you have a shack, if you have four walls, four little tin walls and a roof over your head and a mattress, you are rich. You are rich in Haiti. But yet you go to church on Sunday morning and they are screaming their lungs out to God because that's all they have. All they have is God. All they have is the gospel. You know, and, and, and it's an amazing thing, but then you, you, you come to America and you see people, you know, we got our cell phones and our money and our jobs and all of these things, and we get, we get distracted. We get distracted by all those things. Uh, but it was this very, it was this very thing. The, the, the reason that I never wanted to be a pastor in America, God turned that sentence around. He flipped it around and he said, that very reason, the, the, the passion that, that you don't find in the American church is the very reason that I want you to go and be a pastor. I want you to bring passion to the American church. So, so with that said, I couldn't get away from this word passion. And there's a, there's a lot that, that I would love to say about passion. Uh, you know, we could do a year-long series on passion and just talk about all the ins and outs of what it, what it could look like to live. But, and, you know, but Russ said I can only talk for four hours this morning. So, so we have to narrow that down a little bit and... Um, and so I'm just going to talk about some of, the, some of the things that I think passion could look like and some of the things that I think could transform your life and, and possibly the church's life. So let's look at passion. There's a lot of uh, famous people who have some quotes about passion. You know, you can just Google passion and all you get is these motivational little Instagram pictures 
Um, so John Bon Jovi says, nothing is as important as passion. No matter what you want to do with your life, be passionate. Uh, Donald Trump says, without passion, you don't have energy. And without energy, you have nothing. And you know he has energy because he's always tweeting at 4 a.m. So uh, Oprah Winfrey says, follow your passion. It will lead to your purpose. And one of my favorite ones, this one stopped me in my tracks. E.M. Forster says, one person with passion is better than 40 people merely interested. So, you know, if you're following along in the sermon notes, I'll have this spot. I want you to write down three things that you're passionate about. You know, just, just think, or, or just think about that. What are three things that, that, that you are passionate about? And, and um, what, what is something that you can't live without? And I want to just give you guys a definition while I'm doing that. There are two definitions for passion, and the first one that, that we're going to look at is, is a French word. Um, and, or a French translation, and, and it's the most commonly used form of passion for us. And what it means is it's a strong and barely controllable emotion, an intense desire or an enthusiasm for something. So what is it, what is it that you're passionate about? What can, you, what can you not live about without? So the scripture that really stood out to me as I go through this as I was studying this topic, is, is found in 1 Samuel 15. And, and this section of the Bible is my favorite section of the Bible because you have Saul and David, right? You have this transition from, from Saul, who was this king who, who kind of followed God, right? He, he would follow God when it benefited him, I think is, is kind of a good way to, to sum him up. And then you had David, who was passionate, right? David, David was a man after God's heart. David, you know, God said so many wonderful things about David. David was such a passionate character. But, but I, love, I love looking at Saul because there's so many little things that we find in Saul that I think we can correlate to our lives. So let's, let's look at this story real quick. It says, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1 here says, One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as the king of his people, Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. I want to stop there for a second. Do you think God was clear in his command? Was there any? I think he was pretty clear. He wanted, he wanted him to be destroyed. So Saul mobilized his army at Telaim. Uh, there were 200,000 soldiers from Israel and 10,000 men from Judah. Then Saul and his army went to the town of the Amalekites and lay in wait in the valley. Saul sent this warning to the Kenites, Move away from where the Amalekites live, or you will die with them. For you showed kindness to all the people of Israel when they came up from Egypt. So the Kenites packed up and left. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agag, the, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. Saul and his men spared Agag's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fat of calves, and the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I'm sorry that I ever made Saul king. For he has not been loyal to me, and he has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard that, that he cried out to the Lord all night. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul, and someone told him. Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Wow, look at how much he's missing this now. Then he went to Gilgal. 
When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I have carried out the Lord's commandment. Then, what is all, and Samuel says, what is all this bleeding of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best sheep and goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop and listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked? And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, the goats, and the cattle, and the plunder to sacrifice to the Lord, your God, in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, or your obedience to his voice? Obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. You know, as I was saying, I think we can see a lot in Saul, right? There's a, there's a lot that Saul does wrong, but, but in Saul's opinion, he was trying, right? In Saul's opinion, you know, he... He, he did what the Lord asked, right? He went and, and destroyed this nation, right? Maybe he didn't do it completely, but he thought God would at least be happy with, hey, I destroyed him, right? I brought back the king, you know, we got him captured. And, and look, all the plunder that we took, we're going to give to you, God. We're going we're gonna to give it to you. We're, it's a sacrifice. I am, being, I am going above and beyond, right? Because I am, I am worshiping you through this. And... But, but the reality is, is Saul missed what God really wanted from him, right? He, he missed, I want to I highlight a verse to you, and that's verse 22. And it's right after Saul was talking about how he obeyed God. He's like, God, I did, I did what you asked. And Samuel replies, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Obe- listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. So the first time that I read this, at least recently, it was two in the morning. I was sitting at my mother-in-law's kitchen table over Christmas break. And I remember, you know, it was, it was quiet, and I was, I was reading this for One Chapel College, you know, part of our homework. And, and I just, I had to stop on this verse because God was working this inside of me. And, and this, this thought hit me, what if, what if my life looks like Saul's right now? What if, what if I am, you know, trying to follow what God is asking of me? And, and I'm bringing these things, I am bringing my offerings to God, and I'm going through the motions, right? I, I'm bringing this, this worship to God, but, but it's not really what, it's not really where he wants me. It's not really what specifically he wants from me. It's not everything that I have. And, and I had this interesting little moment because this, this conviction occurred to me, and it was, 
it was almost like either, you know, my dad was sitting at the table with me or, or Jesus was sitting at the table with me. And it's like he looked at me and he said this. He says, Logan, listen, you can be successful in life. You, you, can, you can be successful in your ministry. You can, you can reach, you know, maybe the goals that you have and, and, and you can live a good life. And then there was that, there was a pause. And, and it was like one of those things, you know, where somebody comes gives you a compliment. You know, you're feeling real good. I was feeling real good. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be successful. God's giving me, he's, like, he's telling me I can be successful. And then they pause and, and it's like, wait, why are you pausing? You know, it reminds me of the time where I used to go tell my dad. I'd be like, dad, I love you. I, I love having you as a dad. I'm so happy. And his reply would be, how much money do you want? Because he knows that I'm only saying it because I have something else in there, right? There, there's a reason. There's a reason I, I need, you know, I need to, to go hang out with my friends, so I need a little help with that or something like that. And, and man, I got to tell you, this was a big but. Because I was feeling good at that, and then it was like, but. But what if? And God gave me this vision. What if I wanted more for you? What if I had more in store for your life than just your measly little goals, right? Your, your little things that you, you maybe define as success, right? Succeeding at your job or just these little tiny, you know, just surviving your marriage, right? What if, what if God wanted more? You know, because God wanted to give Saul more. God chose Saul. As king, he anointed him as king. He wanted him to, he wanted to be the ruler of his people, of his nation. You know, but Saul missed it. Saul missed it. So, so I want to ask you, I had to include this as a youth pastor. It's my favorite line of the message. Is there a but in your life? Is there? Is there a but? Is there something in your life where, where you feel like, you know, like, it's, it's going okay. Maybe it's going good. But maybe it could be better. Or maybe God wants it to be better. And as we look at passion, this is kind of the, this is kind of the, the question that I want to address. And the question that I want to I talk through is, is, is because I think one of the scariest things, you know, one of the most painful things about one day when we face God's judgment, it, it's not going to be about the things that we did wrong. I don't think that's going to be the scariest thing. I don't think that's going to be the thing that weighs on us the most when we face this. I think it's going to be what we didn't do. I think it's going to be what we missed out on. Where God's going to be like, look, look at this opportunity. I, I wanted this for you, but you chose less. You know, you, you chose just a little when I wanted to give you lot when I wanted to give you everything I think that's one of the scariest things and and that's that's what drives that's what drives me that's what drives that's what that's what buries this and, and burns inside of me with this with this thought and, and this and this word of passion so so I want to address why should we live a passionate life why should we strive to live a life of passion and and, and the first thing the first thing is I think we should strive to live a passionate life because that way we will live the way that we were created to be. You don't have to look very far 
in our culture to see that we are a passion-driven culture. We have a Super Bowl coming up in seven hours where hundreds of millions of people around the world will be getting together as a party, and they'll be throwing all these things, and, you know, only a, little, only a few people will really be cheering for the teams because no one's an Eagles fan and no one's a Patriots fan. So, but, but um, you know, it's football, what a, sports, what a thing of passion. Right? We're, we're driven by that passion. And then you see all these people who, who are passionate about their jobs, right? Where they give everything. They sacrifice their families. They sacrifice their life. They sacrifice everything just to achieve a dollar. You know, we are, we are driven by passion. We're passionate about our cell phones. You know, I struggle with that. I wish I wasn't passionate about my cell phone. Right? We're, 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 we're passionate as a people. But... With that said, I think our culture has changed the way that we're passionate. I think we have, we have started to live a life that is a desire-filled passion. Right? We are passionate about things when it benefits us. Right? I'll show you a couple, a couple things. New Year's resolutions. We just addressed that. We are passionate about a New Year's resolution for one week of the year. Right? You get into like the second week of January, and it says 86% of people don't follow their New Year's resolution by the end of January. But yet, you know, they were all on board January 1st, like, I'm going to work out, I'm going to do all these things, I'm just going to stop drinking soda, I'm going to, and then, you know, life goes on, and all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't benefit them anymore. The other thing, bandwagon fan, I just talked about sports, a bandwagon fan is somebody who jumps on board when a team is doing really well, or jumps on board to something only when it's going really well, right? This is a habit. This is a habit. The one that is most heartbreaking to me is the honeymoon phase. How many of you have heard of the honeymoon phase of marriage? Right? You know, we have this, this culture thing where, you know, you have a week or maybe a couple months, and some people I've even heard stretch it out to two years where you have a honeymoon phase in your marriage. Your marriage is better. You have more life. You have more passion. But once that honeymoon phase ends... Now it's boring and dry, and you got a ball and chain on your leg, and you know you can't you can't walk through life. You know there's no joy, and like that is that is something that that is in our culture. I don't. Do you think that God would be proud of the honeymoon phase? Do you think that if God was here, you'd be like, man, I'm so glad you're in the honeymoon phase. I can't wait till you, you experience the next phase, you know, the dry phase, the boring phase of life, you know, because that's the marriage that I, I don't think that's what God would do, right? God created us to live our lives to the fullness. He wants us to have amazing marriages. He wants us to have amazing families, families of life and joy. And by the way, if what I just said maybe refers to you, Friday, Saturday, marriage conference, Friday, Saturday, a little plug in there, because I'm serious. God wants you to have a great marriage. God wants you to have a great family. That is something, that's a whole other topic, but, but it is something that is in God's desire for you. It is in his creation for, for your relationship with your spouse. Um, so I want to look at a couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Matthew twenty two thirty seven through 38 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This is what we were created to be like. This is what we were created for. We were created 
to live passionately for God. We were created to walk in unity with God. That's what we were created for. So living passionately allows you to live the way that you were created. The second reason I want to look at is because Jesus was passionate for us. This is probably the most joyful reason. I am so thankful that Jesus was passionate. I said before that there are two definitions of passion. And the second definition of passion that we get for comes from a Latin word. It's the Latin word, pati. And it means the suffering and the death of Jesus Christ. You know, it refers to this time where Jesus, you know, it, it's the time between where Jesus was praying in the Garden of the Enemy and, and up until the time where he gave his life on the cross. And it talks about this word resembles the passion that Jesus had to have for us in order to endure that. Luke 9.22 says, For I, the Son of Man, must suffer many terrible things. He said, I will be rejected by the leaders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. I will be killed, but three days later, I will be raised from the dead. And then Luke 22.44 says that he prayed, this is when he was in the garden, he prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. This is something that's actually proven in science that when, when we have such agony and stress, this can happen. We can bleed blood. He, he was going through so much, but yet he continued to walk through that battle because he loved us. I couldn't find the author of this quote, but I loved it so much about what he talks about, Jesus' passion. It says, only Jesus, with God as his father, could follow through like he did. Knowing the pain and torture he would experience. But the outcome was the goal. Our forgiveness of our sins was the end product. Jesus knew his father wanted him to die on the cross. And he knew the outcome. And that is the fantastic part of the passion of Jesus. That he died for our sins. It makes the word passion all the more passionate. It brings to my mind a wonderful feeling of love with such a strong emotion of passion that it makes me want to scream from the hilltops, God loves me. Aren't you thankful that Jesus was passionate for us? None of us would be here if he wasn't. I'm thankful for sure. The last thing I want to talk about is passion changes things. Passion changes your surroundings. Passion changes where you are. Listen to this quote by John C. Whit Maxwell. He says, A great leader's courage to fulfill his vision comes from passion, not position. And I put this in there because I want you to see this. Because it could be very easily for you to be sitting in this auditorium, sitting in this seat right now and thinking, well, you know, that's great that, that, God, that God gave you that vision. But it's not really for me. Or maybe, you know, like, you know, sure, some people can jump up and down during worship and raise their hands. But not my thing, you know, or, or I'm not really, energ- I don't show passion out. And I, I just, I want to say passion changes things. We all show passion differently. We all show it in a different way. We all love differently. But no matter where you are, passion is a powerful thing when it is going in the right direction. God will move. I don't want anybody to miss that this morning. 
And, and, and to further, further emphasize this point, I want to tell you a little story about the most impactful thing in my entire life. There was, there was one moment, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. I had a great, great life. I have no, you know, my parents were awesome. They raised me in church. But when I was 18 years old, my mom did something that changed the entire spiritual atmosphere of our family. And every single one of us, every single one of the kids, my, my, my dad, my mom's marriage, everything is different because of my mom's passion. And um, it happened in 2011, the summer of 2011. I just graduated high school, and uh, I, I'm the youngest of three kids, and, and in two days, I'm leaving for college. So after 25 years of dealing with us terrible kids, my parents are on the verge of being empty nesters. And uh, my dad calls us all together for a family meeting. Now, family meetings, I don't know what your family meetings are like, but in my family meetings, like, we maybe had five of them. Three of them were the announcement of a puppy, okay? That's a pretty great family meeting. That's like the best. You want to make me the happiest man in the world? You give me a puppy, okay? And, and the other ones, the other ones were, were saying, hey, we're going on vacation, all right? So those are our family meetings. So, so family meeting, pretty exciting. Good things are happening, right? This is going to be a good one. Um, but uh, my dad quickly changed our excitement. He, he begins to talk about doctors and, and how, you know, they found something with my mom. And, and he goes on to tell us that my mom has been diagnosed with, with an aggressive form of breast cancer. And, and um, you know, there was optimism because they think that they found it early enough, and, but, but the road was not going to be easy. And that she was gonna, she was gonna be going through a lot of trials, you know. And and over the next eight months, my mom went through a grueling thing of 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 surgeries and and chemo, and 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 radiation was was the worst for her. And and I remember coming home from Christmas break from school, and my mom is sitting in in this chair in our living room with my dad's. You know, one of my dad's big, t- you know, t- extra large button-up T-shirts on. And, and she's just, she's sitting there because she's so weak and she's in so much pain that she can't even move. She spent like three months in that chair without even getting up except to go to the bathroom. And, and this, was, this was the situation that she was in. And, and I, I want to read you something that she wrote. She says, Lord God, my heavenly Father, lying awake tonight, I'm not sure why, reflecting on the glorious evidence of my blessed life. Lying next to a man that I love and I long for, stroking the soft fur of my faithful dog, walking through the darkness in a home that was built for me and my dreams, gazing at a star-filled sky, curling up in my favorite chair, purchased just for me with my dog at my feet. The silence is deafening. Can I really even question all that is to come? Can I really doubt that everything will not only be fine, but be even better? Can I question one moment on the journey that you'll have me take? 
My heart tells me no, but my head keeps telling me to question, telling me to doubt, to fear, to fear, feel rejected. Lord, strengthen me from the inside out that I may stare fear in the face and that I may dare doubt to enter, that I may dismiss all questions. I desire to see you and you alone, your power through Jesus, your grace through Jesus, your healing through Jesus, your faithfulness through Jesus, your abiding love through Jesus, your provision through Jesus. Lord God, let me only have eyes for him, my Savior, my Deliverer, my Comforter, my Provider, my Friend, my Emmanuel, and my God. There is no one like you. You see, my mom's passion wasn't standing up here talking. It wasn't doing anything. My mom's passion that impacted me was the fact that, that when I went home and I saw her going through the, the, the worst thing of her life, the most painful time of her life, and being on, uh, being on the brink of death, when I saw that in my mom, all the memories of every single morning when I would wake up, the first thing I saw my mom do is sit in that chair with her Bible in her journal. And when, when this world threw everything that it possibly could at her to defeat her, what did she do? She went to that chair, and she picked up her Bible, and she picked up her journal, and she wrote about how much God loves her, and how blessed her life is, and how much God has provided for her. You see, this, this world is going to try and, and change the way that we're passionate. It's going to try and, and take us out of, out of the position of, of being passionate because of what God did for us, into a place where we're only passionate because it benefits us. And if you want change to happen, you learn to flip that. You know, I, I really believe that, that there might be some, some damaged families in this place and, and some broken relationships and, and maybe some, some frayed marriages and, and maybe some frayed relationships with God. And I just want to share that testimony with you because my mom's passion transformed our family. My mom's passion transformed their marriage. My mom's passion shifted us. It shifted us from a, a world of complacency into a world where, where we don't take things for granted. And 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 where we see things differently. And, and, and that's still a struggle for me, right? That doesn't come easy. But it's something that I strive every single day to live for, to see God in the fullness of my life and to see God, you know, I only wish I could see God in the way that my mom sees him where she says, I dare doubt to enter. I dare doubt to enter into my life because I know who my God is and I know who my Savior is. That is what passion looks like to me. That is what passion looks like. So as the worship team comes forward here, I, I want to I ask you guys to, if you would, stand up and, and kind of just close your eyes and, and think, about, think about this idea of passion. And maybe think about those, those three things that came to your mind in the beginning and and, and I just 
want to ask you that question. Is there, is there a but in your life? Is there a, a spot where God wants more for you? Is there a spot where God wants to do greater things in you, where God wants to do greater things in your family, greater things? Maybe it's just your relationship with him. He just wants to dive deeper. He just wants to love you more. Is there a spot for that? So, so God, we repent. God, we, God, I am sorry. I'm sorry, Lord, that I get so caught up with, with the things of my life and, and the junk of my everyday walk. And, and God, that I lose sight of you. Lord, help me to love you more. Lord, strengthen me. Strengthen me from the inside out. Strengthen me so that I can stare fear in the face because I know that I have victory on my side. Lord, allow us to, to fight our battles from that victory. Allow us to, to, to look at what this, what this world is trying to do to our families, to our marriages, to our relationship with you and say, no, no more. My God is bigger. My God is greater. I love that line, allow us to stare doubt in the face. Dare doubt to enter. Dare it. Because you know your relationship with God is so strong that it can't overcome. So God, we come to you. We enter this time of worship. We enter it with open arms, God, with an open heart and an open spirit. We come to you without doubt, God. We lay it before you. We lay our doubt down, God. We come to you without fear. We lay it down, God. We come to you without rejection. God, we give it to you. Without loneliness. Because, because you are our providers. Because you, you, God, are our healer. You are our savior. You, you are the king of kings, God, and you are the Lord of lords. And God, we, we worship you and we praise you. And, and we know, God, we know that right now you are telling us that, that we are your passion. So God, we cry out to you. And with that, we say, you are our passion, Jesus. And we love you. We love you, God. And we worship you. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the Lord just said that we are the gates, that he wants us to lift up our heads, that he has made us the gates for him to enter this house. He's made us the gates to enter this region. And he says, he's telling us, lift up our heads, yeah. lift up our heads to see the King of glory, that the King of glory will come in. And not just in, in this minute, in this moment, in this service, but coming into this region to pour out his spirit over all the people in this region. So he says, lift up your heads, O you gates, be lifted up. Be lifted up and let the King of glory come in. We lift you up, God. What the Lord showed me this morning as we were all just uh, pressing in and, and calling out to him was that 
He has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dearly loved sons. And that he has placed his kingdom on the inside of us. His word says that we are seated in the heavenly realms, that we are citizens of heaven. And so the, the thing that I feel like he's wanting to say to us is we get to release that kingdom as we uh, press in, as we worship, and really as we just take a step and, and uh, step into it because it's in us, it's around us. So Father, we ask that you would make that a revelation, that that would be our perspective, that we're not just reaching and, and uh, reaching for something way up there, but that it is part of the inheritance that you've given us, that we get to change the atmosphere around us, that we get to release your peace, your joy, your healing, and whatever you want to do. You know, when the presence of God comes and fills a place, and when we open our hearts to Him, it's never just a one-way thing where we express our heart. He also expresses His heart to us. And there's things that He begins to do inside of us as we begin to open up and let His presence come. And, and uh, there is, there's a word, word of knowledge of that there was somebody that was that God wants to deli- deliver even here this morning um, from alcoholism that you were even drinking it this morning and the spirit of the Lord is speaking right to you right now to set you free this is not something that we just sing about not just something that we read about but it is the very presence of God that comes in and breaks through even some of the strongest of ho- strongholds that may have kept you kept you tied it to something and so if that's you if you you feel like the spirit of god's beginning to stir inside of you let me just tell you that's the holy spirit speaking right now that there is power to break through that addiction where you are and so father right now in jesus name and right now in jesus name we release that healing power that delivering power to break through that addiction of alcoholism we break through that right now in jesus name we release your presence into that addictive behavior. And Lord, we pray for the shift to happen chemically, emotionally, mentally, and physically to take place in that person's body right now in Jesus' name, that you would take and make it bitter in their mouth, Lord. God, what was sweet and what was satisfying and something that caused a longing, God, you would make that bitter in their mouth. But we release that delivering power right now in Jesus' name. Jesus name. And listen, if there's is there something that you're asking God for, if there's something that you're praying, there's something that you've been seeking God for, then right here right where you are, just let the presence of God begin to seek right here. You heard you heard the heart the heart of God that his his presence and his kingdom is not far off. That you don't have to reach so far because you think it's so far. It's right here. It's right now. And so right where you are, just begin to pull on that and just begin to invite God into that place, into that place that you need change, into that place that you need something to shift, into that place where your emotions are, in that place where your thoughts are. Just begin to let the presence of God in there. Lord, we release right now your healing power into every body and every mind, every heart. We release your provision. 
God, your open doors. God, we release your favor into our lives right now in Jesus' name. God, we release your truth to combat every lie and deception of the enemy. God, we release your counsel and your wisdom right now into those situations that we're questioning and that we're wondering. God, we release your spirit of might and your spirit of power to manifest in our life, to break through in our lives. God, we thank you, God, for we thank you, God, for your presence that here is here to change. God, thank you for not giving up on us. Thank you, God, for not passing over us. God, thank you, God, that you are right here and right now. And so, God, we call on you. God, we thank you. We thank you, God. We thank you for your presence here in this place. You know, as we were standing there and singing, uh, I, I felt like the Holy Spirit was dropping something in my heart about for maybe you, some, maybe some of you, maybe multiples of you here in the room that you, you feel like that it's kind of passed you by. Maybe that's how I can kind of express what, what, what it is that I feel like God's stirring in my own heart, that maybe it's, you know, you missed that opportunity. You missed something. Maybe... Um, Maybe it was intentionally, maybe it was unintentionally. Maybe it's because of your age or your situation that you feel like it's kind of just kind of missed you. And, and uh, yeah, maybe even here this morning, you're feeling regretful. But I want to, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to just speak into that situation and into your heart right now that, that it is not too late. That there is passion that He wants to birth inside of you even at now, in this moment, in this time, in this season of your life, that it is, it is not too late, that God is the God who redeems. And even when you look at King Saul, God kept on trying and trying and trying to get him to turn. And you look at David, who we call one who is a man after his heart, and boy, did he miss it. <laughs> I mean, he missed it time and time and time and time again. You think, you think Saul was bad. David was even worse, but yet he repented. And he turned and he would come back to God and God, and God re would redeem and, uh, and, and didn't turn things around because he kept his heart soft. And so I want to just encourage you here this morning that if that's, if that's you, just with your own heart, just right here. I want to. I want to just ask you. Just put your hands out in front of you, all across this room, and and just right where you are, begin to let go of that. Let go of that. What maybe you feel like you're so remorseful. You feel like you've missed it. You feel like you you let God down. You let others down. That, but right now, let just let the presence of God just come and heal. David's prayer was, "Create in me a clean heart, O God." and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence, O oh Lord. And so that's what our prayer is, God, that you would recreate in us a tender and a pure and a passionate heart. God, one who follows after you, one who doesn't turn his heart, um, make it hard and, and calloused against what it is that you're saying and what you're doing. Lord, we want you to soften our hearts. Lord, that we can love you with abandonment. We can love you with all of our strength, with all of our might, with all of our passion. That we would be able to be men and women who do that. We jump deep into your presence here today. 
And so, Father, I thank you for what you're stirring, what you're doing here. And we know, Lord, it's not an end. God, you're, you're just continuing on with what you've started. And, and, God, you'll continue it on tomorrow and through the rest of this week. And so, God, thank you, God, that your presence doesn't reside in a place, but it is with us and that we can go and be bearers of your presence as we go back into our families, into different situations, into our work situations, that we can carry your presence and change and shift into those situations. And so, God, we ask, God, have your way completely in us. The prayer team is going to be up front. They're just kind of going to linger here just to pray with you and, and just agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that the Holy Spirit was stirring for so many of us. Please let somebody pray with you. Let somebody just um, kind of leak arms with you and what's what's going on. And, you know, maybe it is, you know, as, as Logan was talking about, you maybe he's talking about his mom and that dire situation. Maybe that's what you feel like. Maybe that's what, exactly what you're going through. Let somebody come alongside of you. These men and women are here to pray with you. Also, communion is up front here. Um, if you didn't get a chance to come up here, we do that kind of at the end of worship, kind of just as you as you want. If you didn't, weren't aware, it'll just stay right here. The team will just kind of, kind of continue and worship here. Um, let me just speak a blessing over you and kind of dismiss you for this time. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go in peace, everyone. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.